It's great to have you with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of which, coming up in today's Clark Rageous Moment, Visa and MasterCard are apparently uh, conspiring with retailers and restaurants to rip you off on exchange rates if you use your card outside the United States. I'm going to tell you what you need to know in today's Clark Rageous Moment. And coming up yet later, you want to get married on the cheap? Well, now you can buy your wedding band and get married at the same time. And the total cost to your wedding is just the cost of your ring. I'll fill you in. And I want to mention briefly that there is a new wintertime sale from Southwest Airlines that is good for purchase today, tomorrow, and Thursday, and offers zone pricing around the country. Uh, most cities are 49 to $79 one way. You go further distance, it starts jumping into more than $100 one way. But this is typical of the slow travel season. It's good for travel into the mid part of winter. No travel around Thanksgiving or Christmas, New Year's, but a great opportunity for you to buy very inexpensive tickets if you can find them available in Southwest. Speaking of getting inexpensive, buying stocks, selling stocks. So there's an app I've been talking about for, gosh, I don't even know how many years now, Robinhood. The Robinhood app's been around maybe four years, I don't recall exactly, that was revolutionary at the time because Robinhood allowed you to buy and sell stocks for free on your phone, and you could do so in tiny quantities. You didn't have to be somebody with big money to do it. And it's been pretty much a Robinhood exclusive in the marketplace. But today, an all-out price war to zero is underway with a smaller broker called Interactive Brokers and then a giant, Charles Schwab, both announcing that they are ending commissions on stock trades. And so you'll be able to buy and sell shares of stocks or ETFs, which is like a modern mutual fund. You'll be able to do those free of any commission. And This will lead to a move across the investing world where, at least with the discounters, the discount will go to zero. This started off earlier this year with Fidelity offering what's called the Fidelity Zero, which are certain Fidelity mutual funds that you can buy commission-free, fee-free, there's no management fee at all, and no account minimums required. And so the idea of you being able to invest at zero cost is taking hold in the marketplace. Fidelity and Charles Schwab both trying to deal with the Vanguard juggernaut. The Vanguard, which is a co-op, basically operated for the benefit of its investors, kind of like a credit union for investing, has ended up taking virtually all the market share gains in investing for the last seven years. 
And so F- Fidelity and Schwab both trying to come up with ways to compete, to say, hey, wait, 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 we're a bargain too. And so as these three behemoths fight, you win, regardless of which one you go to with Schwab, Fidelity, or Vanguard. What sits out there just clear as could be, though, is the people who continue to invest with uh, bank investment arms, full commission stockbrokers, or insurance companies are paying massive fees, ginormous fees, that have not responded to marketplace pressures at all. And the people that are discount-oriented are discounting all the way down to zero. It's up to you to make the choice that works for you. But I want you to understand, being able to invest for no cost means that your money much more is going to work for you instead of whatever company you are using to invest with. I want to say something for um, stock returns moving forward. You know, there are more and more signs that we're going to have a rough time economically. Parts of the Midwest came out today are now in recession. And a number of countries overseas are in recession. The United States economy is slowing. State governments having to cut spending because tax receipts are declining in a lot of states. And so we're in a time that's not friendly to stock investing. The reality is you need to keep investing if you're in the market for the long haul. Really, anybody under 50 years old needs to keep putting your money in through your employer's 401k or whatever way you invest, Roth IRA, whatever, and don't say, hey, I'm going to sell all my holdings till things get safe. I want to give an example from a time that was totally tumultuous for the United States, the 1970s. So if you want to see why you stay put, if you don't know the history, the 1970s were an era of absolute chaos financially. And we ended up with um, near hyperinflation in the United States, followed by an extremely severe recession, interest rates on mortgages that went to near 20%. Try to imagine that. And we, were, we had one economic calamity after another. We faced two oil embargoes where we didn't have enough fuel to fuel our economy. I mean, it, it was just one terrible thing after another. So there was an example I saw from a financial writer about if you put $1,000 into an index fund on January 1st, 1970, before so much bad stuff happened, and you just left it there and ignored all the bad news, today that would be worth nearly $140,000. So you don't run because times suddenly are chaotic. Because what you're investing for is the long run in your life. And you can't pick and choose when the best moment is to get out and when the best moment is to get in. That's a game that's virtually impossible to win. Niles is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Niles. Hey, Mr. Clark. How are you? 
Great. Thank you, Niles. So what year are you in college? I am a junior in college. And what are you studying? I'm studying marketing and I also minor in information systems. Ha. Huh. So I will place a bet, I don't gamble either, that <laughs> the IS minor is what's going to help you get your first best job out of school after you Definitely. graduate next year. Definitely. That's what I am to do. So the marketing will come to be an advantage for you later, but in the immediate mm -hmm. term, the IS is what will get you the work. Definitely. Well, how can I be of service to you today? So, Mr. Clark, I just want to know, I'm a college student, and I want to know, you know how to build college credit, and I also want to know what is the best uh, credit card out there for current college students. So the most aggressive player in the college student market is Discover. Mm. We, nobody even thinks about Discover, but Discover has a college student program because generally the first credit card that people take out, they stay loyal to for a long time or a lifetime. Mm -hmm. So Discover that doesn't have a lot of market share wants to be the first card that any college student gets. And right. college students are extremely profitable market for credit card companies because mm -hmm. college students generally don't pay their balance in full and run up big interest charges, but very right. seldom default on their cards. Mm -hmm. So okay. Discover has a student program. Most issuers, most big issuers have a college student program, but Discover mm -hmm. is one that that I have recommended as the go-to as a good starting point. Okay. I appreciate that, Mr. Clark. That's exactly what I, what I look into. Thank you so I much. I got another question for you, though. Do you have, have you seen your credit report? Do you have a credit score yet? No, sir. All right. Have you ever heard me mention a website called Credit Karma? Yes, sir, I have. I'd like you to set up a Credit Karma account and mm -hmm. see if you show up in their system. Okay. Because if you don't yes, show sir. up at all, it may be hard for you to get that card or to get any mm -hmm. other student card. If you don't show up as having a credit file, then I want you to look at another card. And this applies both to non-college students as well. Don't have to be a student for this one. Called the Petal Card. P-E-T-A-L card.com. Okay. Petal Card is a Visa card that doesn't use traditional methods to decide who to issue to. And so if you don't qualify for a student card, that would be my next favorite thing for you to look at. Ellen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. How, Ellen, you have a question for me about an impossible-to-buy-right product, long-term care insurance. <laughs> right, right. My husband's 73 and I'm 65, and we're retired educators, so we have, you know, luckily guaranteed retirements until death. You know, we don't have much, we don't have any debt, and we have a substantial amount of savings, but we're just very concerned about, you know, what could happen in the future, and we were hoping to pass some of that savings along to our kids. We were just trying to protect ourselves if there's a way to help with that. So the long-term uh, insurance market has been busted for a while. Insurers made uh, bad assumptions in the past when they sold the policies. 
And there was just a report about an insurer raising people's rates 800%. The premiums are not guaranteed with long-term care insurance. So it gets to be a very dicey thing to buy. So I wanted to suggest an alternative for each of you. Okay. And it's a different kind of product called longevity insurance. Okay. Is that a term you've heard of? Um, just on your show, I've heard you mention it maybe, you know, once or twice, but I'm not really real familiar with what it is. So how it works is it would be cheaper for you than your husband. You, you give an amount of money to an insurance company, whatever amount you can afford to do. And then at age either 80 or 85, they start paying you money every month. And so where with long-term care insurance, you have no idea what they're going to do to premiums, and there's a chance you will never need it. With longevity insurance, if you make it to the age, you don't have to worry about money really as long as you live because they send you a pretty hefty check every month, which would be really okay. appropriate to be able to use for stay in a long-term care facility or for care in the home, which is often what people get. As I've been noodling what to say to people who call me like you have about long-term care insurance and how broken the market is, I've kind of gravitated to this where often when you need expensive long-term care that goes on for the rest of your life, it tends to be later in your years, and that's why I like the longevity insurance. You know, They're counting on you not living to that age or long past it, but if you did right. have long life, then you know you've got that money that would be there to pay for the care you might need later in life. Okay. Well, that really helps. We'll definitely explore that a little bit more um, and see how that works for us. Thank you. I hope you do that. And not a lot of people are excited about selling it to you because there's basically no commissions for selling longevity insurance. So you've got to do a lot of the legwork yourself to find the policies. But I really like them as a replacement for the difficulties with long-term care insurance right now. I have a Clark Rageous moment for you. If you have a desire or tend to travel overseas, there's a ripoff that has become very common if you use Visa and MasterCard for purchases outside the United States. A lot of times when you go to pay for something, the register, the credit card processing machine, will automatically convert your charge from the local currency wherever you are into U.S. dollars. If you've heard me talk about this before, I've had questions from people on it. This is done because they rip you off with a massively unfair conversion rate into U.S. dollars from the foreign currency. Never, ever, ever say yes when they ask you if you want to pay for the item in U.S. dollars. Be aware that a lot of the Visa MasterCard banks are now automatically putting up the purchase in dollars and you have to override it and do it in local currency. The difference for your bill could be as much as maybe 10%. You've got to watch closely. 
And definitely before you sign any charge slip, you want to make sure that it does not have the charge processed in dollars. You want it always in local currency. Today, it's really easy for you to get a credit card that doesn't charge foreign currency junk fees. And you want to not turn something that's great into something terrible by having that posted in dollars costing you maybe another 10% on your purchase. Visa and MasterCard should not allow it. American Express does not. And this is ridiculous. I have a guide on Clark.com if you travel overseas to things you need to know like this that will help you avoid having your wallet eaten up, taken advantage of. That's on Clark.com. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to join us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where you go to save money each and every day. So speaking of saving money, survey says this is an absolute stunner, of people under age 38 and under, over 90% say that they would consider eloping instead of having a traditional wedding. Why are people doing that or saying they want to do that in such ginormous numbers? I mean, think about that, over 90%? Number one, to save money. Number two, not having to deal with all the wedding planning. And number three, to make the event more personal, more intimate. I think about these weddings that people are having that they faded in popularity, but for a minute, the big thing was doing these destination weddings because by doing a destination wedding, you might curtail the number of people who would attend a wedding from, let's say, 200 to 25 people or 20 people because most people aren't going to spend the money or the time to go to a wedding at a distant location. And it can be expensive going as a guest somewhere versus just showing up at a wedding. But the destination wedding thing turned out to be, well, still pretty expensive for the couple getting married. So the latest idea is courtesy of Hellsberg's Diamond that has a service where you can get married as you buy your rings. So you go, you buy your rings, you walk out, you're married. This isn't a joke. This isn't a Saturday Night Live skit. This is real. That you just decide you want no hoopla. I think it's kind of like there have always been people who have run off to Vegas to get married because it's simple, quick, and cheap. And this is not even having to go to Vegas. You just go to the mall and go to the Hellsberg Diamonds and they marry you and you're done. So I saw an item posted in the New York Times that Hellsberg signed up or had signed up to become uh, people who are ordained to be able to marry 1,700 Hellsberg employees volunteered to sign up to be a marrying diamond salesman. And so they can, they can sell you your ring and turn right around and marry you and you're done. So who knew that 
over 90% of people now who are in prime marrying age in their 20s and 30s want to just get it done like that and not have any big ceremony or anything at all. So, Joel, you are barely still in the demo. That's true. I'm aging up. I mean, I think about when when you started with us, you looked like you were 12. <laughs> and your nickname here was uh, was pretty disrespectful. It was Baby J. That's, I was fine with it. You were fine being called Baby yeah. J. And now you're... Uh, you're about to be middle age. <laughs> That's true. So do you know, do you have contemporaries who are doing this that are just like saying, forget it, they're going to the courthouse or whatever and just getting married, having no ceremony, no expense? You know, some folks, some folks seem to kind of have maybe like a party afterwards that's where they get married, they do their own thing, and then maybe even a party in their backyard six months down the road or something like that. So it does seem to be kind of more of a trend to put less pressure and less money and less hullabaloo into weddings in general. Just remember, if you are having any kind of post-celebration, do not tell anybody who you're calling to get quotes for anything that it's in any way connected to a wedding. Just say you're having a party. Because the second you say the word wedding, everything goes way up in cost. Everything involved with it. Because it's just the way the whole wedding business operates that you take whatever the quote would be normally and multiply times three the second you say wedding. Ron is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ron. Yeah, hey, Clark. Hey, I got a question. Over time, you I'm trying to set up a 529 for a grandson, for a grandson, and you have mentioned um, as far as who the ownership should be, as far as affecting grants or uh, loans and things to that effect. Uh, one time you said the grandparents should own it, and then another time you said that they shouldn't own it. So oh, okay. Let me, let me explain. So why would I give both answers? So when a grandparent should own the 529 on a grandchild is when you don't trust the, the adult children, the kids, to properly handle the money for the grandkids. Okay, I don't so, think that's going to be a problem. Yeah, so if, you, if you're comfortable with uh, your son and daughter, daughter-in-law, or daughter and son-in-law, if you're happy with them and you think they'll be responsible with the money, it's better for you to give them the money and have them put in a 529 account that they own for the benefit of the grandchildren. And can you still um, add more to it? or do they Yes, to you do can give any person $15,000, and you have to be a relative, $15,000 each year for any reason. And there's no tax implications, no gift implications at all. So but only... The parent, has, the parent has to open the open up the account. Right. So the parent owns the account for the benefit of the child they have. And if they have more than one child, they open a different 529 account for each child they have, with them being okay. the owner and the child being the beneficiary of each account. And the, the time that a grandparent would want to own the account is if a grandparent wants to put aside huge money for a grandchild, 
you're allowed to do um, 75000 all at once without gift tax implications, where you can't really do that giving money to a parent, to your, your child, the parent of the actual grandchild. Can the ownership be changed? Like if the grandparent owns it to start with, can it be changed over to the parent later? <sighs> not easily. The system's not set up to do that. Okay. So you can change the beneficiary fairly easily, but not the ownership. Okay, so the parent needs to open it up. Okay. Right. And I have a guide on Clark.com where I go through the uh, legal documents for every commission-free plan in the country every year, and I come up with a list of the best plans to put a child's money into. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. It okay. looked like New York or Ohio was two of the better ones. So. Yeah, there's the number of good plans has gone up significantly. The plans used to be very high cost, and the plans now are overwhelmingly low cost. There are some that are extremely low cost, and those are the ones that make it on my best list that you saw right there. But if a grandparent owns a 529 for the benefit of a grandchild, if you ended up deciding to do that, generally it's best to wait to use any of that money for a grandchild's education till the grandchild's a junior, because then you're far enough along that you're not going to affect their eligibility for financial aid and grants and things like that if you wait till they're a junior. Alan's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Alan. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly, Alan. Uh, you have a disturbing thing happening at your house. And tell yeah. me what it is because it's confusing and, uh, well, just, just launch in. Okay, so we've been getting mail starting about a month ago, six weeks ago, addressed correctly to our house, but it is addressed to someone who we have never met and who has never lived at our house and could not possibly be a prior tenant because we built this house and no one else has ever lived at our address. So, and all three of these are from... Um, well, one's from an insurance company and two are from retailers, and all three of them have something like welcome to the neighborhood, welcome home. Um, you know, so apparently someone has established a new address and it's ours. So I'm wondering if there's a fraud angle here I should be aware of. So it could be a fraud angle. Um, mm -hmm. There are many innocent explanations for it, but mm -hmm. if, you, if you go on and you hit a search engine, Google or whatever, and you ask about this, you just can't imagine how often this happens now, how many posts there are with people wanting to know, is, are they having their address used to commit some kind of fraud? What do you do about this? People are generally unopened sending the mail back, you know, addressee unknown return to sender. Mm -hmm. And that's the best way to try to alert someone who maybe someone's going to try to scam that the address they have on record is not valid. Okay. 
Yeah, most of these, I, I would call them what, third class mail, where it's intended for so-and-so or current resident. Some of them say, I guess they don't say that, but that's kind of Yeah, so if it's these. third class mail, not first class, mm -hmm. then all mm -hmm. you can do is throw it away. Mm-hmm. So there, um, there is nothing specifically you're going to be able to do, but... It, I would look on your credit report and see if this name is showing up as an also known as on your credit file. Now, okay. this is obscure and hopefully not anything that's happening, but there's something known as synthetic identity theft. Synthetic identity theft is where somebody uses a different name, your address, your social security number, to commit identity theft by buying things not as if they're you, but under your social security number, which causes okay. a lot of havoc later. And it's yeah. called in the in the banking industry synthetic identity theft. So if you are, okay. are you signed up with Credit Karma or Credit Sesame? No, I have been checking my credit reports, but. I'll have to get my wife and daughter to, to check theirs because this is a female name. Okay, that would be a great idea. And again, for free, you can see your credit file at Credit Karma. Credit Karma? Yeah. Okay. So free registration, you'll be able to see a representation, kind of an approximation of your credit score. I mean, it'd be this would be a situation, though, with getting mail to your address under a UFO name. It would be a great circumstance to set up Credit Karma accounts and see if any weird stuff is on there, especially and also known as uh, that would be extra concerning. In that case, immediately freeze your credit, each of you, if you all three haven't done that yet. Justin's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Justin. Hi there, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. So I, uh, the reason for my call is my wife and I, we've kind of become a little uh, credit averse. Um, back in December, we found ourselves 34000 in debt, uh, and so we just decided to hunker down. And this month, we got it all paid off. But uh, Wow, you got it all to, paid off in nine months, nine or ten months? Oh, uh, yeah. It's been a boring lifestyle. <laughs> That's okay. I'm really, really proud of you. That's outstanding. Well, thank you, Clark. And But what it's kind of led to, though, is, you know, with instead of chasing points, we're just trying to, you know, spend what we have, and uh, everything is kind of electronic. So we've been using our debit card, but now that everything's paid off, we're getting... You know, it's like we have a big raise uh, to ourselves, and we have all this money coming into the account, and I want to keep it secure. And so I go to different places, and normally I'll try to avoid putting in my PIN number, and you can choose cancel or some other option, have it run as credit in case people can see my PIN. But a few places I've noticed, especially at gas stations, it won't give you the option. It'll say, is this a debit card? And so if you honestly say yes, you have to put in your PIN. Right. And I don't know if there's any problem with choosing that or if you have any other recommendations. So what I would recommend is what you want to do, you want to make sure you don't go into debt again. Right. 
I want you to look well, at something called the account secure, of course. Right. I want you to look at something called Steady Pay. Mm-hmm. It's a new online deal. S T E A D I P A Y. SteadyPay.com. And it allows you to use a credit card, which gives you the protections, consumer protections you don't get with that debit card, and at the same time not go into debt. Huh. It, okay. uh, it's a convoluted thing where they debit your checking account every time you use it, like a debit card would, but you're able to use a credit card and have all those credit card protections. It's a uh, much better way for you to keep from going into debt and not be at risk like you are with fraudsters and things with a debit card because the debit card system is not secure and the law does not protect you anywhere close to how a credit card does. It's time for Clark.com slash ask. That's when you post a question for me. And then, well, one thing, you can check the box and you can go on the air with me or you can have Joel ask your question for you. Yeah, Clark, Michael's got one. He says, I've got a Roth IRA with a big bank that I want to move to one of the big three discount brokers. Do I have to sell the securities that I own or can I just transfer them to the new account? Most securities will transfer right over. And when you go into an office of the brokerage you want to move to, you take your most recent statement with you. And there's a procedure where the accounts electronically transfer and your holdings transfer with that right into your new account. However, you could have some what are known as proprietary funds in there, and those will normally have to be sold and move as cash rather than move as a security holding. Hector says, how can I find good home and car insurance broker, Clark? So what you look for is you look for an independent agent. Unless they are an independent agent, and there's even a symbol for independent agents, they are generally what's known as captive agents, that they only quote a single company that they work for or represent. An independent agent can quote multiple companies for both auto and homeowners insurance. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.